This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Your true measure of being enough, your utmost worthiness, and your badass success stems from inside of you. No one can give that to you, and no one can take it away from you. Valeria interviews Raya Gonzalez. She is the author of Successful as F-U-C-K, a no BS tale of screwing up and succeeding anyway. Raya Gonzalez is also a speaker and entrepreneur. Beloved for her complete authenticity, raw honesty, and lovable humor, Raya dives deep into her traumatic past and turbulent healing process to prove that it is possible to hit rock bottom and come out stronger on the other side with your wit intact. Her stories and introspections cut straight through and challenge everyone to redefine success with unapologetic authenticity. Meet Raya at rayagonzalez.com and linqcs.com. Here's the interview with Raya Gonzalez. In your own words, who is Raya Gonzalez? I am working this out actually. So my normal answer would be, I am a mother of three. Um, I'm a wife, I'm an author and a business owner. Um, and I'm a passionate member of my community, but what I'm learning to unpack is who I am apart from all of the roles and the hats that I play. So I would say that I am a deeply thoughtful soul and um, hopefully an influence for good for other people. I love that. Um, I mean, I love all that. I think one of my guests, he posted a video on YouTube and the, the title was Fully Human and Fully Divine. Yes. Embracing all parts of, of the human experience of the human being. So when you say that, that's a beautiful answer. And the soul... So unpacking that for a moment, Raya, what is the spiritual component or part of, of the human? What is the soul to you? Um, I believe um, I believe that the soul is the essence of who you are. I do believe that we have divinity inside of us. Um, I have gone through a questioning of spirituality. I was raised very fundamentalist Christian, and that left me feeling separated from a higher power because I felt like I wasn't good enough. Um, and so 
uh, and a lot of fear of whether or not my soul would be prepared or worthy enough to go to heaven. Um, as an adult, I'm embracing that um, my soul is enough as it is, um, that I have divine purpose. And that I, that it's a thing of beauty and it's a thing of pain and it's a thing of mistakes. Um, and it's, um, you know, it is, um, worthy, uh, and you know, what happens with that and, um, and how that will manifest in my life. And afterwards, uh, we will see, but it's something I'm exploring for sure. Another open question I have for you is about success. In your book, Successful as F, uh, mm -hmm. there's like F and then uh, that little star, CK, a no BS tale of screwing up and succeeding anyway. So that's the title of the book. And then I read something there that you say, a question that you raised that I usually a question that I love asking too. What is success? Who gets to decide it? So... That's a question for you now. What is yeah. your idea of success as of today, as of now? As of now, I have decided for myself that success has absolutely nothing to do with money at all. Um, success for me as of this day in 2023 looks like picking up my child from or being able to take my child to theater lessons, um, having the flexibility to take a nap in the afternoon if my body says that's what I need. Um, also having the flexibility to ponder going back to a traditional job if that's the right thing for me. Um, I think sticking with a marriage for 25 years is pretty successful and all of the ups and downs that come with Uh, you know, cohabitating and sharing a life with somebody um, and, you know, embracing my imperfection, I think, um, and learning to surrender to the unknown, which none of those things have I mastered. Um, success is about uh, curiosity. It's about being open to making the big mistakes and being sad about it, and then seeing what you can do or learn after you have time to process that. That's another wise and beautiful answer to that question, one that I agree with very much. Although I do see the point of a lot of people who answered the question differently. I'm not mm -hmm. here, perhaps not here, but I remember interviewing people, I think it was Long Island in New York, the street interviews, I would just interview random people in the street, and I remember this woman saying, this older woman, she said, what is success to you? And then she said, um, money, money is good because it calms my nerves, my nervous system. Yes. <laughs> so kind of, that caught my attention, it stayed with me for a while, like, why did she say that? It calms my nervous system. You know, I think that... Um Just because I don't believe at this phase that success is monetary doesn't mean I don't need and want it. 
I invite all of the abundance to come showering down on me. <laughs> yes. Um, I think it, I do agree with that. I think when, especially when you've been raised in an environment where you, when there's been a lack of finances or a perceived lack of finances, it can create insecurity um, that lasts even when that lack is no, no longer there. Um and can be generationally something and that anxiety can be passed on. I think where we go wrong is when we tie the desire for money and the, um, the feelings that we have about money with our success, because we don't have control over money and money is a piece of paper that with a perceived value that you're applying to yourself and it can be taken away from you. So that means that if you attach value to yourself based on a piece of paper that uh, has subjective value from other people, um, your value can be taken away from you at any time. And so I, that's where I'm learning to have this um, juxtaposition between Yes, I want money uh, for the freedom and the opportunities and all of the wonderful things that money can bring. But I do not want to allow myself to attach that um, that status to my well-being and my um, worthiness because uh, I think it's a it's a spiral, you know, of things that can happen, and it's. Um, it's just, I think we, it, we sabotage ourselves if we do that. That makes sense to me. When I think about desire, you mentioned the word desire for money. That caught my attention because when I think about desire, it has been said too in the spiritual world that it has to do with the heart, the heart desires. So in the intellect wants to learn, it's more into learning and knowledge. So mm -hmm. desire, if we have the desire for money, then how can we love how can we really focus on love, focus on higher elevated values, as you mentioned? So, right, that would be really, it would be a challenge, yeah. I would say. I think, yes. Um, but I think that if we love and we believe that um, we will be provided for, um, and it may not look the way that you wish, but if you embrace what you do have and you are open to more, um, then through that you can love and it doesn't have, it is about being provided for and being um, that level of safety. Like if you, I, I think of the, some of the most um, desperate financial times of my life. And then I think of all the beauty that was happening around that, um, that had nothing to do with it. And some of the times I would get lost in the desperation for the money and not get lost in the love. And some of the times I would disconnect from the poverty and connect to the abundance of love. And so I think that if you get overwhelmed with the poverty portion, um, and I'm not speaking of, I mean, there are really people who suffer from generational poverty and oppression and 
Um, and their battle is very different and, and very nuanced, but I would be remiss to say I can speak for them. I grew up uh, poor, but my poor came with privilege. And so I, this is my perspective, but I also want to acknowledge that it doesn't work for everybody. But I do think that there are hopefully at least a few corners of your life where you can say there's love there. Even if it's not a uh, biological family, you can say there's, uh, there's, uh, you know, some corner where you can feel loved. That's another beautiful insight about um, the simplicity of, of love that can be seen, felt everywhere. If we are really paying attention or if we just pay attention, like you said, we just refocus instead of focusing on, the challenges, we focus on what we all, already have. Or perhaps even we don't have a flower that's outside of our window. Oh, yeah. Pets. Uh, right. Oh, my um, God. I love the animals. Yes, oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. my my daughter has a, a tabby cat and his name is Oliver and he's very vocal. So we call him Mr. Meows. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. he has become uh, my cat. And yeah. I just and we have conversations with each other. Uh, and there's just something so um, silly and yes. fun about, you know, uh, having this like relationship with an animal, right, that you've bonded to. And so sometimes it's as simple as that, that you feel like you are important to something, a plant, an animal, uh, your environment, a community. Um, there's so many ways where if we're looking for it, the love will show up. You actually mentioned that in your book I have here. You say success has more to do with all those little moments that don't make it onto the inspirational poster. You said yes. more than that, but then I, I just copy and pasted that part because <laughs> caught my attention. Yeah, I love that you mentioned pets, right? That's the moment throughout the day that I'm the silliest <laughs> the, yes. and the happiest in that in sense of being fully in the moment and just not, uh, there's no thinking almost involved. I'm just so silly and jumpy around my dog that it's my husband's like, I've never seen you so happy. But there's something about animals. That might be the non-judgmental piece, right? Right, yeah. that we spoke off record. Yeah, it might be absolutely. that. I think, well, and I think it also taps into my word of 2023 is play. Mm. I tend to be very, yeah. <laughs> um, like I can go into the abysmal sort of catastrophic mindset sometimes. And I'm very, like, I'm very um, engaged with people, but I can be very serious in my inner thoughts. And I want to have more fun this year and do more things that connect with my inner child. And I feel like my inner child comes out when when I interact with my pets. And you can hear it in your voice. Your voice goes up. Yeah. You know, like the <laughs> yes. tone of your voice goes up. <laughs> yes. The way you talk to them is almost like baby talk, you know? <laughs> yes. And it's kind of funny. You, but yeah. And then you imagine, <laughs> and I think they do engage back with you in different ways. And um, and it feels innocent. It feels light. Um, and, you know, so I, I think it really does tap into, um, it's almost like a form of self-love, you know, to have that type of um, freedom to let yourself uh, engage and, and love an animal that way or a plant. Like I said, plant, lots of people love their baby plants. <laughs> So true. You reminded me of somebody else that I interviewed. I didn't meet her. She was a, she did a self-recorded interview, but she's a vet and also a psychologist. 
Oh, for a pet psychologist. I'm not sure. Oh. She wrote a book and the title caught my attention immediately. She, it was uh, My Pet, My Pill. <laughs> and I was <laughs> I like, my like God, that makes so much sense, right? Because that's what it, my dog feels like. It's like, wow, this is a happiness pill that I just took. Yes. And child, yeah, when you say bringing the child back. But I think we can do that in every way. I do believe in kind of m- merging innocence and wisdom. It's possible, right? Right. That's definitely a journey that I'm on and have started with this book because when people see the title of my book, they need to know this is very (laughs) tongue in cheek. It's meant to be (laughs) attention grabbing. It's also meant to be a little sarcastic and sassy. I don't think that I'm successful AF. I am, I would be like a total liar if I said that I felt that way. I believe that um, we have to embrace that title for ourselves and it has to be authentic to, because people think when you say that they automatically go to society's version of success. And so, but what happened, um, and what the book really is about, um, is using stories from my life, um, to illustrate these universal, stories from everyone's life and the emotions that run behind it and the vulnerability. And I really laid myself bare. I really embraced things that I have done that I am that like keep me up at night and things that have happened to me that have changed my perspective of myself or hurt me. Um, and then how that plays into my, um, wisdom and my thoughts on on how I achieve and, you know, how I can use that to combine, like you said, the innocence and the wisdom, but it kicked off this journey of really, um, I really met my inner child in that space and really allowed us to have like a meeting of the minds, um, and doing it in a way that is very, um, embracing and, and, you know, incorporating, not like I'm trying to have split personalities. Um, but I'm just trying to give her a voice and, um, and acknowledge her and, um, and celebrate her. Um, so I think that that is so important because they're there, like every version of ourself is there And if you don't give them a voice, it will sound like somebody else and they may act out. So like, it's important to, you know, really pay attention to what motivates us um, and what we need, because sometimes those needs go right back to the very basics um, to create the stability to grow into the next version and the higher level of the person that we're supposed to. In your book, you talk about uh, so many challenges that you went through, being homeless, having trouble with uh, drinking, and then having children at a very young age, too. Yeah. What was the main intention of writing your book, Raya? So when I started writing my book, what it was supposed to be in my mind was (laughs) a book for entrepreneurial women about getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. And I participated in a group program and then was accepted to a publishing company. But when I was participating with this group program, they said, we do not want you to think about the book. We just want you to write. So like, 
And we want you to write stories. So whatever comes out, just write stories. So I started writing um, stories about my life. And um, the title had kind of come to me fairly early. And so I I like started thinking, I, I didn't really try to combine the two at first, but it once I opened the floodgates for these stories about my life, so many came through. And the, the book is actually quite short. It's only about 140 pages, but the actual first uh, manuscript was about three times as long as that. Uh, I cut wow. a lot, a yeah. lot, a lot. And yeah. so um, it's it, it wrote itself really, and it wrote itself for me. Um, and I worried and stressed that nobody would want to read it because um, who would want to hear about my life? But it's not about my life. It's about this a thing that we all experience. And a lot of us are afraid to say it out loud, including myself, who I'm a pretty open person. And a lot of these stories people knew, but they did not know the version inside my soul like what it felt like to go through those things. They just knew what happened. And so that's how the story came to be, was really um, writing a surface version of the story and then going back through and saying, okay, what actually happened? What were the series of emotions and thoughts? And then what was the aftermath? You know, like those types of things. I can imagine. I have done the same myself and I know how hard it was. So a question that I have that comes to me in the moment is what was the most challenging story to write? Um, well, there's so many. Um, I think the one that most people uh, contact me about is chapter five. And that's Girl in the Car when I was um, kicked out of my home as a senior in high school. But I will tell you that the most, um, even though that was something that was devastating to me, the most challenging chapter to write was, um, it's called In the Middle. And it is a story based off of a conversation with my middle daughter, who I've had historically a very challenging relationship with. And, um, she basically told me every way that I failed her as a mother and she's about to turn 22 and how that affects her self-esteem and um, how that affects her life and how she sees herself and her interpretation of the ways that I tried to love her and the ways that I fell short. And I cried for at least a month after that because I sat there and I tried really hard to bite my tongue and just let her tell me. Um, Because I realized that if my story as a young adult is, if that's different than other people who are involved, but it's true because it's my story, then this version of her life, even though it's different than my version of the same events, it's still valid. And but it breaks my heart that that's what she carries with her. And I want to go back and redo it all over again. And all I can do is be the mom that she needs right now at 22 and and keep moving forward and be repentant and try to be better. You make me think about that we can't really come from a place that uh, we are not 
ready to occupy. It's almost like giving something that we don't have. So yeah. to me, when I think about that, automatically I find self-acceptance and self-forgiveness when I think about all the mistakes I made, if you can call them mistakes in the past, I think about, well, I didn't know. I didn't know how to deal with that. I couldn't have done differently. That's really what it is. So that kind of mm -hmm. gives me peace of mind. But in your case, it feels differently because it's a, it's a mother. So that yes. is, I'm not a mother. So it's like, that must right. be, almost can't find words. Yeah. My challenge with myself is, and I do talk to my mom and we have, you know, a good relationship, but historically, um, you know, a lot of my wounds, emotional and, you know, deep wounds have to do with that relationship. And so I wanted so desperately to be a mother who didn't do things that would wound my children. And I mean, the reality is I'm a human. And even if it, you know, even if it wasn't, you know, like we, we do that to other people too, friends, family members, you know, um, you know, we wound people because we're walking around in this experience that is very egocentric. Um, and we don't really see the 360 of what's happening around us. Um, but yes, I think from that respect, um, I had this, and that it, that is a deep identity for me that I'm trying to detach as an identity, as a person, because if I say that who I am is made up of myself as a mother, then I fail as a human because I'm going to fail my children, um, but I'm going to do my best. And sometimes that's not enough but I'm going to get up and I'm going to try again, but I can't allow that to be uh, just like money. You know, like if we allow these roles and circumstances to define us, then um, we're going to feel like crap about ourselves because we can't possibly be perfect. We just have to keep trying to love and just keep that spirit of love and believe that the abundance where in the word abundance, when I use that, I mean love. I mean relationship. I mean spiritual connection. I mean financial abundance. I mean all forms of abundance, but not just money or, um, you know, perfection. I mean, like, that we are fundamentally safe and loved. And um, so we have to embrace the fact that at least in this form, we are flawed and um, we will make mistakes. Um, and it's how we work through that and how we um, work through the relationships that we want to invest in to move forward that defines who we are and not the actual perfection and you know actions that we do otherwise. Um, yeah, love. I think about kindness, but that's it. Being aware of who we are and what we can do. And I love the message of that we are imperfect, right? As humans, we cannot yes. try to be perfect. There's a movie that I watched recently, Lion. Have you heard about this movie? I have not. Oh, it's called Lion. It's uh, about a story about um, a couple who adopted a Indian child, a child from India. Mm -hmm. 
And then she adopted two of them. One gave her no problems at all. He was so kind. He was a great boy. And the other one had a lot of issues. Already had uh, some trauma happening. Mm -hmm. He had been abused. But she did it anyway. And she loved him the same way as she loved the other one. But she couldn't. She tried so hard. I mean, it hurts to see her crying while he was the other, this second boy who was troubled and he was um, kind of getting involved in drugs, doing a lot of crazy things. And she couldn't do anything and because she had done everything that she could anyway. Love was her big thing. She was just such a, a lovely person. And I was watching that and thinking, gosh, what a beautiful human being. She's just giving everything she got, but but she couldn't be responsible for the result of that. When it comes to her child, she couldn't do anything. I mean, that was the limit. So love was her limit. And then from that on, um, the limit in the sense of love was what she gave and that's it. And then she, she had to be open to whatever happened after. I just made a TikTok this morning, something similar about parenting adults. And um, I think I'm a very active parent right now, especially because I was chasing, I mean, I had my first child when I was 20. I got pregnant, married and pregnant at 19. Um, and so I was chasing, you know, professional success and educational. I spent a lot of time in school. And at the detriment of my relationship with my children. And so I know how much I needed that guidance and support. And I really see myself as their coach, um, someone that they can come to if they need me. And then I try really hard to back off when they don't, right. Um, right. even though I want to. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, and, um, but... I think, you know, I, I made this very <laughs> kind of weird TikTok where I, I said, you know, like, all I want to do right now is find a kid and like snuggle up, you know, like just lay down and like just have someone to be with. And they don't want that from me because they're adults and they don't, you know, like I'm, I'm in that phase. Uh, they're not. And, um, and so, you know, so that's the part that we don't really talk about, um, you know, we don't really, we talk a lot about what it's like to be a parent um, of kids, but I think many are not prepared for how challenging it is to be the parent of adults and, and to know, I mean, when my kids moved out, I thought, well, that's it. Like, I don't know if that was enough. Like, I didn't, I mean, I logically know that I'm still their parent, but at this point, like, it's a very different role. And so um, I think, you know, it's just, a, it's a very challenging thing. And, you know, I think those relationships when you're like, wow, is that, you know, is that enough? What I, what I, what I have is love the limit, you know, is, was my love enough, you know? Um, and you have to say yes or no. And then if it's no, is there anything you can do about it now? And if there's not, then you just have to let it be and you have to sit with that and then maybe make a different choice uh, with that person or with the next person or, you know, however you can and just be, you know, say, I, I recognize that I maybe could have done things better and I'm going to try to do better. Right. But, you know, this is what I've got. Yeah, that's something that I never heard before about 
So some people, they are ready to be parents of children, but not parents of adults. I never oh, heard it that it, way. Oh. It's very um, brutal. And they will sure tell you. I mean, we like, <laughs> oh, man. And, and it's just hard yeah. because you, you know, when you have little kids, you have some control over what they experience um, because they're in your household. And when they are not, you have to just like let it go and be there in the way that they want you to be there. And if not, you know, like so many of our generation are going no contact with their parents because they don't feel that they were cared for in the way that they needed and that the the parents are not ready to embrace the fact that they have their own life and their own thoughts and opinions. And um, then they're like, well, if you don't, that, that means you don't embrace me. You know, these are my core values. You don't, you don't embrace me. And talk to me for a moment, Raya, about the, your company. You're the founder of Link Consulting Solutions. What is yes. your company about? We talked briefly off rack and I have read, of course, some of the information, but for the audience, what yeah. is that that you do and how it works? So my company, Link Consulting Solutions, does virtual assistant matchmaking. And um, what that means is we help female entrepreneurs find a virtual assistant in the Philippines. Um, we do that in a different way. Um, a lot of times when people will search um, virtual assistant in the Philippines, they'll find what's called a managed staffing company. Uh, where you hire the company who has virtual assistants in the Philippines. Um, we actually help people with a, like, sort of on a recruiting basis, find somebody who's matched um, both from a skill standpoint, but also from a, um, be not behavioral, but like a professional, I guess behavioral is like, you know, corporate culture type personality match. Um, and we do that through assessments. And um, I love it. I love working with um, wonderful business women here in the States and abroad um, and helping them not only find somebody, but really doing it. Um, we do consulting as well as part of the process. So helping them understand in a deeper level the impact that they can make for these women um, that not only benefits their business, but also, you know, really they're making a difference in the life of another female business owner. Um, because uh, these women in the Philippines are freelancers. And so they're also business owners. That's women helping women. Are you open to men as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It? And I do have um, clients that are men. It just so happens that, um, like really the majority of my clients and why really, I mean, like I've had a handful of male clients over the years um, have been women. And so um, it's just a deep understanding they have. I mean, the service came out of me hiring people from the Philippines um, and kind of going through all the mistakes and then I get to teach my clients what not to do. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. That's the best way to do anyway, to open any business, right? Coming yes. from what we know. Um, another question I want to ask about um, your journey. In your book, you went through a lot of challenges. So the question that came to me was, is what makes some of us more resilient than others? 
Um, awareness. Yeah. Because um, it's really easy to, uh, and I say this as somebody who struggles with mental illness. So um, it's really easy to just lay down and let it happen. Um, so it, there are days that um, awareness and self-acceptance, I should say, because there are days where I have nothing. Really, I have nothing to give the world. I have nothing to give myself and I need to do what I can and go back to bed. Um, and it is a loving act for me to do that. And instead of beating myself up and feeling lazy or feeling less than or whatever, I need to embrace the fact that this is where I'm at and um, it's okay. Uh, so I think that when you are aware that these, this is the hand you've been dealt, right? I mean, you, you, we don't get a lot of options sometimes in, we don't get options in what we're dealt. We get options in what we do with it. Um, and so do we want to lay in bed for the rest of our lives and cry? Or do we want to lay in bed for a quarter of our life and cry, <laughs> um, you know, and do so when we uh-huh. are being respectful to the fact that that's all we have, because going further uh, is not respecting our experience and what we need. Um, and it's okay to mourn. It's okay to be real. Um, and so I think when we are not accepting um, of ourselves and the grief that we have of the life we could have had if things had been different, um, or, you know, if we had made different choices or whatever it might be, uh, the traumas that we've experienced, I think that we, um, it's a disservice. I, I think it's more loving to say, I'm, I'm going to grieve and I might have to grieve over and over again for the rest of my life. But I think if you allow it to happen, um, you don't have to stay there. And the book really addresses that too. It says that you can have success in the lowest part of your life, in the lowest part. There are parts where people are so, you know, um, ashamed of the choices that they're making, or, you know, maybe they have addiction, or maybe they have um, you know, I got fired and that for me was, uh, extremely life rocking for me, not just embarrassed. It like, it was a core identity for me. Um, and there's like multifacets. That's a whole nother show, um, but, <laughs> yes. but in there, huh? what I didn't know was that there was success in how I processed that eventually. But first I had to lay down I had to lay down physically, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually. I needed to pull myself off grid and say, I am not okay. And then say, okay, if I'm not okay, but I want to keep, I need to keep going. Really, I need to keep going. Uh, what is my next step? And only look at that. Um, and then it's a series of next steps that um that gets us you know down the road one of the the things that i've been kind of reflecting contemplating these days is how do we know the difference between being peaceful 
just knowing that this is enough, whatever we have is enough as it is. How do we balance that with uh, ambition and doing more and contributing more to society and the lives of others? Is that something that you have reflected upon? Oh, every day. Oh, good. <laughs> but I haven't yeah. mastered it. I think that's definitely part of, um, it may be my forever uh, burden. I hope not. Um, but because I, I'm, I've traditionally been a very extreme person. So uh, balance knows no I have has no home yeah. <laughs> in my body and soul yeah, and yeah. so I'm very in or out and um that you know crosses over to activities and um you know physical health and relationships and all sorts of things but um I just think that it's gonna be you know a battle for me specifically um, but it's something that we just have to continue to um, evaluate and uh, say, this is what it is right now. Um, this is where I would like it to be. It's not. And that has to be OK. So what do I need to do right now to feel OK? Um, and what do I what actionable steps can I take? What is available to me? Uh, who can I ask for help? Uh, I don't want to ask for help. Okay. Um, how's that going to make me feel? Um, you know, sometimes you have to sit in it because you're like, I don't want to ask for help. I don't want to do anything. This is the end result and the natural consequence. And okay, that's what I embrace for myself in this moment. And then hopefully, um, you know, move fo move forward from there. Yes. So one way or another. And that's another beautiful message about asking for help. You actually have that in your book. You say... In a very interesting way, many of us silently suffer an unnecessary independence when help mm -hmm. is available. And that goes for everything, right, Riot? Uh, our personal lives and also business, not trying to yes. do everything and be everything, but uh, searching, reaching out. That's something that I had to do. I, I talked to you off record about this with, with the podcast. Yes. I remember doing everything and then I was burned, completely burned out. And the whole, the whole thing just stopped for about probably a month or two or even longer because I couldn't do it anymore on my own, the editing and everything around it. That's another message to be reminded of. Um, do what we can do and then also letting go of the uh, the ideas of, uh, let's say, the consequences. If we are okay, if we kind of reflect upon the consequences and we accept them ahead of time, then it makes it even better. But it yeah. takes awareness, doesn't it? A lot of that. It really does. And I think, I mean, the, oh man, the first week the book was out, I had, you know, I have a core group of friends um, and that I've just had for years and years and years. And uh, several of them said, I am so mad at you. So mad at you. Because they were there, like when these things were happening and they were like, I knew that you were going through a rough time, but you never told me this was happening. And I'm so mad at you. And like, literally, if you go radio silent, I am showing up on your front porch. And like, <laughs> because yes. now I know that this is your 
MO and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this. And I just, it's the shame, you know, like we get, we get stuck in that. And it's the shame of like saying, uh, I'm not okay. And also like, how many times can you say like, I know I'm not alone with depression and anxiety, but like how many times can you say I'm not okay and not feel annoying to people? Like, what am I giving as a friend to you? If I just say over and over and over again, I'm not okay. And so then there's the guilt of like, I don't want to let them see this because I'm, you know, I'm sick of myself. Like, (laughs) I don't want to hear this anymore. And so I can't imagine how they feel, but really people love us and, they, uh, and if, even if we don't have that person, um, there, there are ways and there are communities of people who do want to, um, know us. That's such a, a beautiful message. One that I wish I, everyone would, uh, have access to, to just reach out for, for help and not try to be all tough, right? I see that with men trying to be strong enough. <laughs> I'm, yes. I'm strong. I can do it all. And then. That is that that vulnerability, isn't it? It's kind of not being vulnerable because that's perceived as weakness. I know it sounds yeah. like a cliche, but it's that's how we. No, it's a hundred percent true, and I think that um, will absolutely affect our vision of success and achievement and all of those things. Um, and when I wrote the book, part of my intention was like, I'm not a celebrity. I'm literally just a regular old person. (laughs) Like I'm this, you know, this small town girl from Washington state, uh, who, you know, hasn't traveled outside of the States very much except for to Mexico. And like, um, I just, I'm just a regular person. And I think that, you know, we just have to, internalize what we can process it and you know move forward with that because um and share uh share what we can um and I'm doing this you know like I mentioned this TikTok that I made I've I've known for a long time in my soul that I wanted to be on TikTok I lurk like it's my TV um but I've known that I want to make videos but I've been so caught up with being strategic about how I you know like do I talk about my VA business do I talk about um this uh coaching that I'm working on you know helping people um you know map their way to their version of success, or I'm going to be building a community. Do I talk about that? And I, and it paralyzed me. And finally, I just said, I'm just going to talk about me and my life. And this morning it came to me and I, and I posted too. I said, I'm going to start telling the stories that aren't in the book. Like I'm literally just going to start telling really vulnerable, weird stories about my life and maybe nobody cares but I'm about I'm about to make it my video journal like and uh, like maybe people resonate with that and because people I didn't think people would want to read the book and I have received an outpouring of love and um gratitude for being vulnerable for putting myself out there and people will tell me very personal things because I have told them very personal things and invited them in with this book one of the other messages, I just want to mention that and then ask you my final questions. You say something that I wrote it down, uh, difficulties won't last forever. That's a, a very important message because it is true, nothing lasts forever. It seems like we make it last 
we kind yes. of hold on, right, to certain things yes. so tightly that it becomes a problem of suffering. But I love that message because it's one that's very true to me. So uh, I do have a few more questions. Before that, would you like to add anything that you left unsaid for today or read a passage in your book? Um, I would, um, I would just like to say that, um, we write this story. It is not written for us, the story of our life. And we forget that. We forget that it's our pen to paper, that it's our decisions and our, um, steering of how this story goes. And we give over our power to, nothing to nothing. We just allow ourselves to be whipped around by life. And, um, that's okay for a period of time, but it is your story and you get to write how it goes. And it doesn't all have to be these huge arcs of, um, adventure and all these kinds of things. There are quiet moments. There's the two thirds of my book that I cut out. You know, and we we need to and taking your power back is not an aggressive move. It's a it's a gentle accepting that you have um, you have the ability to say this does not serve me and I do not embrace that for myself. I, the phrase that I've been toying with that I love is I'm not available for that. And I say that to myself, too. I say that to other people now, which I've boundaries have always been a thing, but I say that to myself too. If I, something comes into my mind and I'm like, nope, I am not available. For that. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, and so we <laughs> that's need to, that's, you know, accepting your version of success, accepting the challenges, um, being brave to step out in fear and do things anyways. We are writing the story. We are writing it. And there are external factors that happen in every story. But it's what we do with those external factors. And who do we pull into this story to be our wingmen and our supporting characters? Um, you know, I've never watched a movie, a play, or read a book where there was only one person throughout the whole thing. Uh, that would be a very boring piece of <laughs> um, And so, yeah. you know, like that, that's really where it is, is like, what do you, what tools do you need to progress in your story um, to make it, you know, maybe not a comedy, but let's stop making it a tragedy. Um, embrace that there are sad parts of every story, but we don't have to stay in the sad parts. We can embrace that that is now part of us there was no good reason for that to happen it didn't make us stronger in that sense like we're not better because it happened um it's just now part of us and we're going to heal from that we're going to have to work on that and maybe something we carry with us to the end but it's now written in the story and it's what we do with that in the chapters moving forward that determines our character that's a beautiful way of ending the episode today. I wanted to ask the question about one message you'd, you'd like to everyone to take from this episode, but this is it. Yeah, you just said it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mariah, for your presence in this reality. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for everything that you're doing for humanity. We do need uh, not just to know these to have this wisdom, but to be reminded too. I see that I'm putting myself in this position of being reminded of these 
beautiful pieces of of information that I call wisdom, that it needs to become real in a sense of manifested here. So thank you for bringing this to life. To end our conversation, I have the um, technical question, but before that, let me ask you a philosophical one, which is not even philosophy, but I I love philosophy for some reason. So what is another word for life if you were to use another word for it? That is a good question. Um, I would say an opportunity for learning, you know, really, um, this is one of the, uh, spiritual journeys that I'm on right now is really accepting, uh, like I said about the soul and, um, our life is truly an op it is the college. (laughs) It is the Ivy League of of um learning and we are all on the dean's list um even if we you know if we fail this is the one place where you can reclaim your 4.0 um so i think that that's really where um where i would let it land is just say that life is a journey of learning um, and an opportunity to learn something new every day and to um, build on, you know, we have the 100, 200, 300, 400 level. And maybe you make, maybe you make it to PhD, maybe you stop at high school, but like, uh, you know, at every phase, we learn something valuable. And, uh, you know, they say, what am I going to use this for? Like they say, the kids will say that. What am I going to use this class for? Everything is useful. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a be- another beautiful piece of knowledge, wisdom, right? Being the opportunity to learn and then even I mean, connected to it would be being open to learn because I see oh, yeah. some of us are not open to learn and that kind of frustrates me sometimes. But it's uh, like you said, it's um, everyone is at different levels, so we can't rush, right? The process of getting right. there, whatever there is. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the opportunity, not necessarily the necessity, not necessarily that everyone is going to take that journey. Some people get their GED. There's no shame in that, you know, like there's no shame in that. That's their journey. That's how they embrace and want to move forward in their life. It is the opportunity. Yes. Yes. Uh, Thank you so much again for your presence. Absolutely. Before we say goodbye for today, where can we find more information about you, your books, services and future projects, Ryan? So my website about the book and um, about the really the movement that um, I am trying to speak about is RayaGonzalez.com. Um, and then I am on Instagram as RayaGonzalez underscore author, same handle on TikTok. It'd be really fun to start getting more friends on TikTok since I'm about to bear my soul. Yeah, um, right. And so, uh, and just really, I answer all my own messages. Um, if you send me a message on the website or any of the platforms, um, it's me and I care. I actually do. And, um, and I am about creating a community of humanity and um, learning how to be a better person myself um, and 
uh, humbling myself to do so because I think we all come from different places. So I would love to get to know anyone who would be willing to do so. Wonderful. And I'll have your website link on your podcast profile and the book link as well. Thank you Thank again. You. Thank you again, Raya. We'll talk soon. Bye for now. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Raya Gonzalez and her work, please visit rayagonzalez.com and linqcs.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.